we go. John Curley, Sherry Elliger Show, starring Sherry Elliger and the teeny tiny lady in the pickle jar. Sorry, Sherry, that's all you're staring with today. Diving in. Mm. All right. Uh, the question of schooling comes up, and the kid's back at school again. The Seattle Times is another story about the fact that, oh, my gosh, enrollment's going down. Got a big problem. Where are they going? And the schools might have to close. I thought, let's get Chad Magandas on. Magandas is a buddy of mine. I've known him for a long time. Served in the House of Representatives in the fit. What, what are you laughing at? Let me get into your interview. I'm reading from Wikipedia about you. Chad. Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. You were endorsed by the Seattle Times 2012, 2014, 2018, and 2022. Well, there was your kiss of death right there. A school... A guy who teaches, he's in the classrooms, plus also with their House of Representatives. You um, got in there quickly, and immediately people were like, geez, we don't know as much about education as Chad, so you were in charge. Um, you see where Seattle schools are now. Did you read the piece in the Seattle Times that they're yeah, going? Where, that the, must, where, where are all the kids be, going? Yeah. Where are they all going, Chad? That I, I've known that you know, just go to the OSPI report card. You can see over the last three years that statewide enrollment has dropped four percent, and in Seattle it's eight point five percent. Actually, where I teach here in Bellevue, it's eleven percent. And wow. so, you know, in areas that are denser around Puget Sound, well, parents have more options and more resources. Yeah. And so, you're seeing private as uh, our public schools in private charter and homeschooling. The the dollars follow the kids right chad so as the enrollment goes down the money begins to go down didn't Olymp- didn't olympia do something where they kind of locked it in at a certain number 2019 enrollment numbers and continue to fund at that level yeah i'm a little bitter about that honestly because we fought hard in the mccleary remedy to ensure that the state funding followed enrollment and there was not going to be any ghost money but yes they did that at least for one year i haven't checked to see if they extended that but they were basically assuming they were locking in enrollment and assuming that the the effect of the COVID lockdowns was going to be a temporary one but we're not seeing that we're seeing that um you know, the increase in home prices, you know, two years with double digit increases in the Seattle area and the rent increases have driven away young parents so they can't afford to live here anymore. And, you know, the existential threat of climate change is convincing many young couples just not to have children. And so birth rates are way down. Hmm. Do you think there's any way to reverse this trend? Because according to the Seattle Times, 2019, 2020, 53,627 students, 2023, 50,056 students, and in five years, they're projecting that number to go down to 45,017 students. Is it too late to try to move that trend in the other direction, given all of the reasons that you've just stated? Well, we did see some bounce back already after the uh, after the lockdowns. We did see some return, uh, but it wasn't nearly as much as we lost. Hmm. And the, the longer, uh, long-term uh, trip place, I mean, people are having fewer kids. Um, families aren't moving to the Seattle area, at least maybe when the rents come down and the, uh, the home prices come down. We may see a little bit of a rebound, but they're still just predicting that we're going to be relatively flat, not that they're going to be coming down considerably. So uh, in, in the Bellevue School District, where I teach, um, we're anticipating that, uh, you know, we're going to see a drop um, 
to about 60%, uh, 66% of building utilization, which means one out of every three of our classrooms are not going to be used for its intended purposes. And uh, we're actually in the process of consolidating uh, elementary schools, so we'll have three fewer elementary schools. And the problem is, is just math, right? Yeah. There are 1,200 students at every, at every grade level and elementary school level and then 1,600 in high school. And so we know this, this you know, valley is going to be moving through the classrooms and we have to plan accordingly. Yeah. Chad Magadas, thank you. Appreciate it. By the way, quick question for you. We say goodbye to you. Are you still doing the Pledge of Allegiance before every class? Yes, we are, although it's not required. Uh-huh. That's right. Okay. Wow. It says that the students have to be silent and respectful during the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. So even if you participate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you one way. Uh, if you were to call them in, call uh, them on that phone of yours, I'm sure many of them would, <laughs> would not be participating. All right, Chad, terrible connection, by the way, everybody, technically. Chad Valganas, thanks for coming on. Appreciate talking a little bit about the problems in the Seattle School District. Thanks, Chad. Bye. All right. Man, that was uh, painful on my side. How about you, Sure, Were you able to understand anything? I, I got, smart I guy. Got, yep. I got every fifth word. Every yeah, fifth I word. Think- think so uh, there's a there's an article uh, this is about a different story that we we may get to and we may not uh-huh. um it's from uh from the seattle times from uh danny west neat and he's talking about people making this mass exodus out of portland and and then could seattle and this could this be a cautionary tale for seattle anyway in the article he says this he says nobody knows why families left the seattle schools in droves nobody asked them is that true that he had written that a uh, number of months ago. Yes. Then when they were leaving, nobody did the data. No one did the follow up. No one said, why? Why'd you leave? They just person with parent would send in. Yeah, we decided we're going to transfer or we're pulling out. And Danny's point was, why wouldn't you find out why were they were leaving and then fix that problem? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a variety of a whole bunch of stuff. Discipline is a big part. So now 75% of par- uh, teachers now say they have been assaulted at some point in the year. Uh, that is the highest it's ever been. And that's probably also why more teachers don't want to be teachers anymore. In fact, in a couple of surveys I saw this morning, that was the number one reason they stopped teaching because they're like, I don't want to get in there. It's either too disruptive. You can't kick the kid out, can't throw them out of class, can't expel them, can't suspend them. And they just dominate and you can't even teach to anybody because normally one troublemaker has got a couple other friends and they just, they take, and create nonstop chaos in the class. And you're spending half the class or more just trying to calm everybody down. And they just said at a certain point, even new teachers bail on it because of discipline. And the older teachers just said, it's just not worth it anymore. Either they've been threatened, spit on, punched, assaulted in some way, or just disrespected. And they said, it's just, it's not fun. And then having that disruptive kid in there just dominating the class. And now they have to be, on top of being teachers, they have to be guidance counselors and nurses and therapists and everything else because the kids come into school with, with so many problems. The Department of Education says that there's about 47 states that say that there are severe teacher shortages. And they're lessening the uh, the qualifications now, John. So in some areas, you don't even have to have a bachelor's degree anymore to be a teacher. In Arizona and Florida, um, they opened it up so you could still get a job. In, in Florida, they opened it up to veterans saying you don't have to have a college degree. And that only attracted 11 new teachers. That's it. 
I would do it. I would teach if I could. I don't have a college degree. But like I look at I drive past Clay High School all the time. I thought, ah, I'd love to get in there, teach history. I'd be the cool teacher that sits on the edge of his desk, wears jeans, mm-hmm. has the tie kind of half down, you know. I think they're all like that now. Oh, are they? Okay. <laughs> I think so. It's so. <laughs> a so low standard for cool I think, when I was I, in school. Well, yeah, I, I, think, I think you'd have to. <laughs> you'd be a little more of the elder statesman now. So, you know, I think that the uh, the <laughs> the cool teacher – Probably they're a little more extreme when it comes to cool. Okay. You know, like they've, they've got hair, you know, down I to, see. they yeah. sit on their hair. They're, you know, they're in really <laughs> like drawstring pants, like pajamas. Okay. I, I think that, I, I, I think was that Mr. Cotter went. Yeah. 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 Mr. Cotter. Mr. Cotter. It was coming with Mr. Cotter style. Cool. No, right. I do. I drive by there and I, every once in a while I look online and I'm like, I wonder if I could be a teacher. And then, you know, you get all the way down the bottom and, you know, what, what do you need? Requirements. Oh, got to have college. Oh, so. Well, they that. prepare though. I mean, they have to learn the subject that they're going to teach. So it's all, it, you'd have to be ready to do that. You'd have to, you know, if you were going to teach. I get that, Sherry. You have to teach. You got to be able to teach. I can do that. I can teach. I just wouldn't want to do the grading. Oh my God. Sitting there reading all the stuff with your little red pen out there. Um, no, I did not like that. I'd be in the classroom teaching stuff, teaching uh, history. Why don't uh, you teach drama? And that would be easy. And there wouldn't be any paperwork. He's put on plays. No. Because you just don't want to. No, I don't want to have to do, you know, okay, this year we're going to do Greece or uh, Bye Bye Birdie. Or the cats. I don't want to direct the thing. I don't want to be involved in it. I don't think they do those anymore either. <laughs> I think they do. Oh, okay. All right. Like, okay. Like you know what? Okay. 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 You know what? I guess I just, I, I, I maybe I've been frozen in a giant block of ice for the last 30 years. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I understand you not wanting to have to worry about tech. You know, and I don't know. The curtains won't open, Mister <laughs> Mister C. See. So if I were speaking history, if I were teaching yeah. history, it'd be like, let's talk about the current president, Jimmy Carter. So <laughs> Jimmy Carter, you're like, huh, Mister Curley? It's 2023. No, we're on page 18. We're not. We're not to page 2023 yet. So, so Jimmy Carter is governor of of uh, of Georgia. And then in a, an amazing and be like, because eh, I see, I, I basically all my knowledge has stopped at a certain mm-hmm. point, whether it's not understanding it's not we're not doing Greece and bye bye birdie anymore. All right. <laughs> Screw you, Sherry, for crushing my dream. <laughs> no, I think you could do it. I just think what you 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 think of yourself maybe as your um, sort of your 40 years ago counterpart. And that, yes. that would be, that would be the, the hip cool teacher that comes in. He's cute. And everybody's like, Oh my God, Mr. Carly, he's cute. And then, so I'm, I'm just wondering if, if you would like it as much as you think you would. Because kids are, I don't know. I, I would, coach. When I was a coach, when I coached the little kids, the little seven, eight year olds, that was the best. I remember one time I, I, and we were horrible. Any kids out there and your parents listening, you remember the horrible year when I was your coach? I even told the parents we're not going to win any games. So you'll see those other kids that the red team and the black team were the wife we were the red team or whatever we were. There was a white Sammamish team, the black team, and the red team. And um 
the dads had all gotten together ahead of time and picked out the kids that they wanted on their team. Even though they weren't allowed to do that, that's what they did. And I got stuck with all the kids whose dads were not involved. Um, so I called the parents together, and I said on the first day of practice, if you look around, there's the other team and there's the other team. You see how small we are. We're not going to win a game, but we're going to learn football. We're going to have some fun, and we're going to make some friends. That's it. That's going to be a success for us. And they're going to learn the valuable lesson of losing. In fact, they're going to be able to write a term paper and a thesis on losing because we're going to lose a lot. So if you want to take your kids off this team, that's fine. I'll I'll just wait over there. You can make the decision. I came back, and they're like, no, we'll, we'll hang around. So none of them left. And why do this crazy stuff at practice? Like, guys, you practice really well today. We get those two plays down. I've got a big surprise for you. So we'd practice, and while we're practicing, my daughter is setting up a huge table, big, big, long, like a 10-foot table at the end of the field, this field off to the side there in Sammamish. And I'd bought $150 worth of Boston cream pies. Did I ever tell you this story, Sherry? No. Uh, and I covered the table in a sheet. And at the end of practice, I said, okay, guys, pick a partner. Here's some rope. Tie your ankles together. One ankle. There you go. Left. That's it. That's it. Good. There. Okay. All right. You ready? Hop up to the line. They all come up to the line. I put black plastic bags on all of them. They took their helmets off. And I put plastic, big garbage bags and punched holes in this to get the arms to stick out. And then I put their helmets back on. I said, okay, guys, ready? You see where my daughter is? Way down there next to that big table. She's going to pull the sheet off the table. So I tell Chuck to pull the sheet. She pulls the sheet off. And you can kind of make out what's on the table, but not really. And I said, that table is full of Boston cream pies. You have to run down to the table. And the one kid goes, then what do we do? I said, I don't care. Run down to the table and whatever you want to do, go ahead. And they're like, they're like, huh? What? I said, yep, just run down there and have fun. So I ran down ahead of them and I got down there and they're on the line. Go. And they all start running, running, running. The first two kids get to the table. The one kid picks up the pie and looks at his partner because they're tied off. Remember the ankle. He looks at his partner and goes, and his partner goes, no, 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 no. I'm your partner. I'm your partner. And he goes, I don't care. And smashes it into his face. And they threw the pies around and the big fat kid went over and just dove on top of the table and throwing them up in the air. And they're just rolling on top of one another, smashing pies on each other. It was great. How many, um, parents called you after that? Incident? About four, four of them. <laughs> Okay. You know how hard it is to get chocolate stains out of my son's pants. <laughs> so kid comes home covered in Boston cream pie. No, 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 what? no. Remember, I put plastic bags to cover like most of their because they're little kids. The bags went, they were like 50 gallon bags, went down to near their ankles. But occasionally, you know, some kids some chocolate on their pants. It's like, really? Really? That's what you're concerned about? Your kid had a ball. You know, hose them down. I was throwing, I had some kids, I threw, threw some water on to get some of the chocolate off them. Who cares? Okay, so, so let's review. They were tied together at the ankles. They yes. had plastic bags around them. Yes. They threw things like at football, each other. Like football. They threw things at each other and occasionally had to be hosed down. <laughs> yeah. That's football. Okay, that's it. Okay, coach. Good for you. They never forgot it. There's somebody, there's somebody on that team telling that story right now. You're not going to believe what I did.
But what well, our I'd, coach I'd did ra- for I us. would run into a couple times. I'd see some of them later on in life. Like, hey, Coach Curley, that was the best football we ever played. And we, I'd tie him the back. I tie stuff to the back of the jeep and ride him around on the field. It was great. Now, see, that's something you could still do, and you could still play those those games and and do those little stunts. Yeah, you could be a coach now. Stunts again. You have, you're, there's a lot of anger coming from you today, Sherry. <laughs> what? What yeah. do you call it then? Let me. I'll hold on. I'm going to throw it to Nate. Right. You and I are going right. to talk off air. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Sherry Ellicker Show, starring Sherry Ellicker. Don't know who you're starring with. Sorry. Mm. But I gave that job to Jacob. No, 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 no. I gave it to Jacob. Jacob's out for the week. Um, And Chris Martin filling in, taking over for Jacob. And I I didn't know Jacob was going to be out. I said, are you out all week? And he texts back, yes. And I said, well, then damn you to hell. And I meant that in the nicest way. Um, No, taking days off, not... We don't allow that. Everybody in, all in, all the time. The uh, memorial service for Dory Monson couldn't have been any better. Uh, I thank uh, Nicole Thompson, Dory's producer, for putting all the time in, and Suzanne, Dory's wife, and for the hundreds and hundreds of people that showed up uh, there in Bothell at the church at one thirty. It was um, perfect because it had all the humor Right. And then it had the sadness, but it had then it had more humor again. And then it had God as a through line through it. And just remarkable, remarkable guy and stories that I'd never heard about Dory. And, you know, you sit there and you watch, you know, you're listening. I think, Sherry, because you've been through this a couple of times, your friends, your parent, you lost your, your dad and uh, the others that have passed recently in your life. You know, funerals are for like, it's, it's to recognize the death and then to celebrate the life of the person. But then it's this, the other part of it is hanging over you is, and are you next, right? And are you living fully? And will people say great things about you? And what will they say about you? A friend of mine, uh, a couple of years ago said, you want a great sort of work to do on yourself? Yeah. Write your eulogy. Ever heard of that? Uh, Yes, I have heard of that. And I have heard that it is a gift that you give your family as well, because they know then what types of things you would want to talk about. No, 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 not, not what to say or like, you know, play this song or that song. If someone had to stand up and say everything great about you, Sherry, you write your eulogy because nobody wants the last words about themselves not to be the most inspiring or the moving or all of your accomplishments. So you sit down and you write, Sherry Elliker was the most caring, giving, thoughtful person, whatever it is that they're going to say, right? You write all that out in the third person. And then when it's finished, then you read it a couple times. And then you have to say, Okay, well, now I'm going to live that, right? So write the eulogy because it's the best of anybody could possibly say about you. And then after you write it, read it, then say, am I living up to this standard? 
That's a big... Um, it's impossible. Yeah, it is I'm impossible. I'm telling you. Because you write it and you're like, yeah, you know, John Michael Curley, you write the whole thing out and then you're like, I wish they would say those things. But then that's where the work comes, where you just say, well, then I want to be thought of as whatever the list of adjectives they've, they've placed in there, you know? So that's, it's, yeah. that's the exercise. I, my dad's uh, memorial service is this coming Friday, and mm-hmm. I've been writing his eulogy for about a month now and writing it and rewriting it and writing it. And it is really, really hard. I am terrified that I won't be able to get through it. Um, mm-hmm. I've put lots of funny things in there to sort of, if for no other reason to break it up for me. So if I am sobbing, then maybe I'll get a laugh and it'll it snap me out of it. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a it's a really hard thing to do for someone else, even someone that I you know I cared about more than just about anybody on the planet. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine doing it for myself because I, I would never. I just can't imagine writing like that many nice things about myself either. Like I just, well, no, no, I'd be so it, embarrassed. But I'd be Sherry, so embarrassed. No, no, like, no. Oh. That, that you're missing the, that is the point of the exercise that you hope these, these, all these great things would be said about you. If these are the attributes that you like associated with you. Then if those are the attributes you'd like associated, if those are the words you want people to speak of you for the last time in front of a bunch of people, then live up to those things. Then do those things. Then be the most thoughtful, the most generous, the most whatever it is. Be that. Not just write it just to go, okay, well, here's what the eulogy would be. But it's to your higher self. It really is a it, – it's an incredibly difficult exercise. Because when you sit there and I was listening to – you know, a Dory and when Suzanne was talking about that, you know, they've been married. I don't, I can't remember how many years it was. And you think, well, that's most people were not married to one person. And then the, the three daughters and how he loved them so much. And oh my God, it was just, it was, it was as great as it could possibly be. And that's, and, really- it, and it was Andrew's birthday. It was oh. Andrew. Did you? Yes. It was my birthday. Yes. February 4th. Um, and no, I don't think there was any conspiracy there though. No. Um, I did open my presents the night before cause it, it didn't okay. feel right to really celebrate my birthday that day, but mm. I honestly couldn't have asked for a better, I mean, it was the best birthday I've ever had. And I, that's, that's true. I mean, I, I'm not a big birthday guy, but for my birthday to mean something like that and to be able to be there for that memorial and meet a bunch of people afterward, it was, you know, I, it was something really special. Hmm. Here's a story that it was so funny. One of his daughters got up to speak, and uh, Susanna is standing behind her, and she goes, there's, "I have one." She's written it, and she goes, there's, "I have one more story which I love. It's one of my favorite stories." And she turns back to her mom. And she goes, I, "I know you don't like this one." <laughs> look on Dory's wife's face. It's like, oh god. Here she we leans go. Forward, looks at the script, and she's like, "Oh no." She says, "My mom and dad went to Atlantic City." And they were walking on the boardwalk and there was a woman there sitting on the boardwalk playing the piano and she didn't have any arms or legs and played with her tongue. Oh, and my dad was so impressed by her skill and her tenacity and her courage to sit there and play this piano in front of everybody 
and, and I forget the rest of the story, but she said that every day when they walked on the boardwalk, my dad insisted that we went back and watched her play. But he didn't try to learn that skill. No, he didn't know. I think he was just so amazed, but right. like as supporting her as a performer, you know? Oh, like, yeah. We have to go good. by. Yeah. We have to, yeah, we have to go by and, and, and be there for her and watch right. her play. And, yeah. And support her and, 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 and give, give her a little bit of cash for being so, yeah. uh, industrious. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say maybe he, uh, maybe he decided he'd give it a try when he got home. I don't think so. And then the other <laughs> one was that, um, it was Dave Wyman was talking about. Was it Wyman and uh, Moyer? Who were they doing the talking about going to the game to surprise Dory and Yakima? Was that what it was, Andrew? Going to surprise. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. It was like, hey, let's go to Yakima. And they both went. Yeah. They said, Dave Wyman goes, Dory Monson, he, I mean, he, he cried a lot. And he used, he was really proud of the fact that he used to cry a lot. <laughs> and Wyman is not a crier, right? And he said, uh, so Paul and I, one day, we knew that he was going to be playing in the finals or semifinals for the girls' basketball that he was coaching. So we decided we'd surprise him. So we went up to Yakima. And we went way up. We sat high up into the stands. And he wouldn't bother him because, you know, he's getting ready to coach and get ready for the game start. And, you know, he's down on the floor, and we're up there. And he looked up, and he saw us. And Dave Wyman says, he looks up, and he sees us. And he starts crying. I mean, like. The game hadn't even started yet. And already he's crying. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> he was so excited. It was perfect. Perfect. How many times do you say that about anything in life, that it's perfect? That's a pretty good review. Oh, yeah. I got this T-shirt at the... Um, Boise Airport, Sherry. I was going to get one for you, but they didn't have any. Actually, I didn't really want to spend any more money. I spent twenty six dollars. I figured that was it. <laughs> I was so delirious from travel that when I got to the, you know, I get all. I'm, I haven't slept in like twenty four hours, and I get to the. I go through the TSA, and the lady was so nice. So I went over to her manager. I said, "Excuse me." And again, I haven't slept at all. I go, are you, are you in charge of the hiring around here? Uh, yes, I am. I go, your people are great. You have some of the kindest people. They are so nice. I left my belt on the thing and he <laughs> ran over to give me my belt. Guy's like, uh, it's good to know. Are you okay? I was like, I'm very tired. I just spent $26 on a t-shirt I don't need. I thought, okay. And then I suddenly got my wits about me and thought, I think they're going to call security on me. You were you were just that cuckoo, or was the t-shirt... 33 up? hours I had been up. But oh. anyway, that aside, doesn't matter. I'm here. You're here. I'll send what you a picture of me in the say? t-shirt. I'll show you a picture of it. There we are. You're writing to us, and that's good and good for you. Come in there for the State Roofing Text Line, one 973 or com. Sherry, you know, I, I know you love the uh, you love the all-day pancake breakfast family meal for $58. Huh? Huh? I'm reading Cracker Barrel menu. There's the uh, there's a build-your-own-breakfast. These are expensive. Build your own breakfast. And choose your breakfast the way you like it. Enjoy two eggs, biscuit, gravy, 
$13? I thought That's Cracker a- Barrel was like a Americana standard, like, you know, $4, 4 bucks. But holy moly, look at the prices over here. But the nice thing is you can fall in love at Cracker Barrel and you can have that special moment while you're surrounded by a bunch of eggs. Right. They are going to honor five couples who get engaged at Cracker Barrel. They get food for a year. And so this is what you got to do. If you, Wait, if wait. You, and that's yes. it? <laughs> food for a year? That's how they well, describe free it? Cracker Barrel food. So, yeah, big time food. You know, the pancakes, <laughs> the eggs, all the stuff, right? <laughs> Just, go ahead. What do you have uh, to do? Well, you have to post your video proposing to your loved one on mm-hmm. Instagram uh, between February 10th and 16th. And then you have to have a caption that tells why you did it at Cracker Barrel. I guess you could just say free food for a year. Uh, and the hashtag, <laughs> I said yes at Cracker Barrel. Uh, if you don't think you're going to get engaged anytime soon, they also have another special running where you can get a free dessert if you order two entrees uh, during the dates around Valentine's Day. But the other one, if you live near a Cracker Barrel and you're thinking about popping the question, uh-huh. why not do it? And then yeah. go Plus, someplace else and do it again. Just, just fake it. You know, yeah, I can actually that's what marry. I was thinking. Just, yeah, just try, I would, you know what you do is you just, while you're in there, go over to the table and just find somebody that looks like someone you would never marry. And just say, hey, listen, can we uh, you propose to me or I'll propose to you and we'll put it on the uh, the old Cracker Barrel uh, uh, Instagram thing. Like, you know, just find somebody that you just think, well, there's no way that the two of us would be together. I, I think I've only been to a Cracker Barrel once. They're kind of in the south, aren't they? Is that their main geographic location? I think I went one time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and they're in front of the middle part of the country, and uh, they've got a, like a knickknack shop. You got to go through on yes. your way in there. Yeah, and there you yeah. get lots of lots of stuff. You know, funny things, funny things written on coffee mugs about farting or being old or just you know this, you know, excuse the mess or you know you know something about your dog. A yes. lot of a lot of comedy. That um, after you read the mug once, the joke sort of fades, but then the a joke is still written on the mug, and then every day there's. It's the a little joke. less funny, yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff that will get regifted when you give it to someone because you think they will think it's funny, and they'll think it's funny the first time they see it. Look at it one more time. Put it in the gift bag that everybody has in their closet of stuff to give away, and then they'll give it to somebody else. That's oh wait, that's me. Those, that's the thing about those dish towel jokes. Like after a while, you're like, yeah, it was funny the fifth time. Uh, the how many times you've been proposed to? Uh, four. Mm. But only two went through. And of so the two that didn't go through. <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Well, the, only three res- two resulted in an actual marriage. The other two didn't happen. Did they get the, the, the? Did you say no? Is that why it didn't go? Didn't go through? I said no to one, and it really wasn't. I, it's not really a proposal. It was more of a. There was a. We were going in that direction to try. We were going to get married, and then I just decided it wasn't going to happen. So mm. it wasn't. It wasn't a get down on one knee and me. You know, kick him in the teeth and run away quickly. No, it wasn't like that. Well, I want to hear about the second one at some point. <laughs> All right. All right. I, knew, I noticed you held that one back, you little <laughs> cracker barrel, you. <laughs> <laughs>